You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Mad Men After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Mad Men After Show. Mad Men, Mad Men, Mad Men, Mad Men. Mad Men, Mad Men. Ooh, Bing is for doing, and we are doing the oh, Mad Men yeah. after show. I'm here. My name is Joe Braswell. I'm here joined by my three best friends. We're all here together. Three best friends? Three best friends. Three best friends. Actually, my four best friends. Marissa Serafini's over there, too. I'm sorry. Exactly. <laughs> Marissa Serafini on the ones and twos. Uh, I, I do have uh, to my left Mr. Matthew Lieberman. Hello, hello. And I have to his left Captain Julich. Hello. And to her left, Mr. Joe Sanfilippo. Hey guys. And over and over. Oh, we already talked about Marissa. She's over there. She's doing. <laughs> she's doing it all. What's up, guys? Hi. Hi. So, um, well, last week we weren't all together. This week we are all together. It's been a while since we've been all together, the four of us. But we're here. Uh, and and for what episode? The Tale of Two Cities. Yes. Mad Men episode ten. Um, you know, it seems like they're. People say to start off to a slow start, but we're coasting right into the finale here. These again, last uh, not a bad episode so far in the last five, last four episodes, right? Yeah, I I, I think we we, we're doing really well here. So uh, this one is directed by Slattery, our favorite. Yes, Um, another Crackerjack episode. But this way, he was actually in the episode a lot, so he did a lot of directing himself. The last episode, he seemed to do you know you know get a couple little uh, zingers in there, then kind of back out. And go to work, but this time he stayed in and did a lot of work. Lots of fun zingers, and we got to see him torment Danny Siegel, who was he, back. He was mean. He was mean to poor Danny. That yeah. was that was rough and tumble. Yeah, but then he did get punched in the dick for it. Yeah. He did get punched <laughs> in the dick. Sucker punched. Pow. Danny yeah. gave dick him punch. What he what he deserved. Yeah. Uh, and um, and so lots going on. So lots of turmoil over at uh, SC at CGC SCDP or SCDCB CGC. <laughs> No, we do it. SC and yeah. P. Well, now it's no, SC no. ampersand P. Yes. But you had the other one down perfectly <laughs> last week. Oh, the other one yeah. is SCDPCGC. Oh. It's now SC and P. Right. Yes. SC and P. This, I feel like this episode, in a lot of ways, was just kind of laying track for the rest of the season. Like, we got a lot of development from all the characters last week. We got some great, you know, Don and Betty stuff. This week... They're establishing the central conflict of our final three episodes, namely that there is internal turmoil within this this uh, you know merged agency, yep. and Cutler is about to mess some stuff up. Maybe, yeah. Power well, play. Uh, what I liked about this episode was kind of getting back to business in many ways, wasn't it? This was all really about 
the advertising business. It was all their clients. It was uh, that's what I really loved. loved. It. it was kind of back to the office, back to business. That's yeah. what I liked about this episode. I talk about yeah. that you know a lot. I always said I, I like the office stuff more than I like the personal stuff. So this was all mm. office, and mm. it was really I loved it all. So we, we you know like we'll, we'll break these down by 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 the clients because each, each each of the clients they had had its own storyline, which is which is very cool and, and great to see as well. And you could all, say it was a tale of four clients. Yes, you could say that. But they said it was a tale of two cities. All right. You know? Actually, <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a tale of three cities if you count Chicago, because there's a lot going on politically in this episode as well. Yeah, no, yeah. Four cities, Detroit. Yes. Oh, okay. He goes to talk to Chef. Five cities. Uh, I'm just back. I'm saying. All right. <laughs> um, well, the one thing I will say about this episode is they do, you know, they talk a lot about Mad Men, you know, how they use the political landscape or the historical landscape to maybe tell some. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline stories uh we all knew 1968 is jam-packed with a lot of social social political events a lot of you know uh history defining events so we were all sort of anxious to see how you know matt weiner would you know would deal with all these events and as it it juxtaposing against the the the, uh the characters and i think that it was it's a good balance because some episodes it 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 informed all the characters and surrounding characters some episode like when Bobby Kennedy was shot, it was kind of a thing at the end, a little, little punctuation. Yeah. This one we see, a, it, it's sort of like there's turmoil happening in Chicago and, and, and the Democratic Convention, and it really does inform the characters in different ways and also the clients in some ways. It's really yeah. kind of cool the way they injected all that, which um, we will get to very shortly. We went back to this episode, but first, I do want to say, you know, here at After Buzz, we, we do some lovely shows for you. We have like 60 plus or 50 plus shows we do for you. We really, really ask you for anything here, uh, but we give you quality, quality programming, and we do it for the love of, 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 of television and you. But as you all know, um, we have our, our creators, Maria Menudos and Kevin Nagaro have, have, have done a wonderful, wonderful movie called Serial Buddies, which we all know and love. And if you listen to After Buzz, you're very familiar with it. Um, you may or may not know by now, it is available uh, on demand right now on iTunes. So if you're listening to this via iTunes, it, you know how to work iTunes. You can go over there and get Serial Buddies on iTunes as well. It's a hilarious movie. Uh, Maria's in it. has Artie Lang, Beth Bears, has my man Henry Winkler in it. It's got... Uh, 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 Kathleen Gifford, um, who else? A bunch of a bunch of people. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd's in it. Christopher McDonald. Christopher McDonald, the very hilarious improv king, Christopher yeah. McDonald. So, and great. Uh, one of the leads, Gian Molina, he's a friend of mine. He's really, really talented, really funny performer. And he's great in the movie. Yeah. And one of the leads is an Aussie too, Paul Ashton. There you go. Uh, it's a family affair here. You know, my co-host John Comerford on uh, Justified is also in the movie. Um, and the lovely Tamara Berg does some costuming in the movie, and and um, so we're all part of it in some way, shape, or form. If you want to stream it immediately, you can go to SerialBuddies.com and just click there and, and watch it and stream it there, or you can download it from iTunes. But when you do that, you're helping us here at iTunes bring here at iTunes here at AfterBuzz bring you wonderful, great programming. So please do that whenever you can. That's all I got to say to that. Now, back to Mad Men. Mad Men. Mad Men. Let's jump right get, get into this. So, I you know I want I want to get into CGC, SEDP. SEDP, CGC? All right, whatever. <laughs> I want to get in. <laughs> we're like, 
so we open as as these episodes tend to do these days. We open in the boardroom, right? We, yeah. we open. Yeah. I love. I'm really, really looking forward to these these boardroom, uh, the the conference room uh, scenes because a lot a lot happens in this conference room because you have all these great personalities. You get to see Cha do his thing, you know, and Cha versus Draper and and you know uh, Cutler versus uh, Sterling and. Uh, Pete's always, you know, angsty about something or other, and you know, Jones doing something or other. So we open there, and the debate seems to be about what are we going to do about this name? Yeah, and it seems to be sort of a, a point of contention of like, what are we going to call ourselves? I just want to point out, we do all these conference room scenes, and Don is always late to every <laughs> single and, one. And what does he say every time? Are, are we done here? Are we yes. done here? <laughs> are we done here? What is this? It's got right. no interest in... Zero. Yeah. It's uh, epic. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we start to see some, the, 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 some clients are, are, yeah. are divvied out, um, but we start to see the real, real politics here and with, uh, you know, Cutler, who, by the way, has a very meaty, meaty role this time around. We haven't, yes. we haven't heard much from Harry Hamlin. He's been kind of cool, laid back, wearing the glasses, but... He actually got some character work here. We actually got to see who this guy is, and I'm not sure I like him, actually. I, I love what he's doing. I think he's just like, he's just playing this character with nothing. Under, he's like, he's, I'm a guy who just wants things. I want them right now. I have enough money that I don't care. Right. And and so he just, he's just, he's like a kid. He's, he's, it's, I love watching him. He's kind of anti-Roger. Yeah, he, he's, but, he's, they're the, but they're so the same. It's such a weird, like, ah. They serve similar functions, and they're both pretty outward with their wants. Yeah. Right. But... Roger's charming and Jim is not. Yeah, Jim is awkward about it. Yeah, Jim just like he's he's kind of he's kind of an Asperger's kid a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, feels not quite right. He's just kind of off. Like when he screams at, a, like he's just kind of placid, placid, placid. Then Bob Benson comes <laughs> yeah. in in that scene with Ginsburg, and he's like, "What are you doing down here? Why are you always here?" Like it's just it's. He's just placid until he explodes, and he doesn't right. really have any other emotions. And then the funny thing is when he goes after that, after that, after that explosion on Benson, yeah. then he goes and talks to Shaw, and he's kind of like, um, I want to um, re- reshuffle our creative. Like, can we, let's get rid of Ginsburg. He was very calm about yeah. it and very matter-of-fact about it. He wasn't going in steaming. And Shaw's like, you're mad. You're upset. He's like, no, I'm fine. And it's not, it wasn't even just let's get rid of Ginsburg. It's just let's just fire all of their people well, yes. while they're out of town. Let's I, just what, do it. What I like about it, though, is that he, he, he needs to go to, uh, to Ted first. He can't just do it. Like, yeah, he right. obviously understands himself well enough that the, the way he's written, he understands himself well enough to know he just can't go off and do it. He has to, he has to check in with somebody first because he, I, I, they're writing him like he knows, I know I'm a little crazy, so I'm going to go check in with an adult and make right. sure I'm allowed to do what I want to do. But also, this, you know, the, the CGC is really only CG. You know, I mean, um, you know, so it's CC, excuse me, it's only CC, you know, uh, yeah. Gleason's gone, so yeah. it's really just the two of them, and which is also, you know, the hubris of the two of them saying, like, you know, we, us two know way better than these four guys, these four, five, six, seven, eight holes over here. The two of us and our team is way better than these guys. Yeah, and uh, so what we're starting to see is the division of there is not. It, it's this fight between people want to say we're all in the same, we're all together, we're all one big team versus some people. You know, maybe Campbell included, maybe Roger to a certain certain degree. Certainly, uh, Cutler. It's us against them. Well, there are people how, against our people. How many people in this agency really want it to be a unified agency? I think maybe Peggy's one of them. Chaw's Chaw. potentially another. But how many other people really see this merger as anything other than it kept us afloat when we were drowning? I don't know. I get the vibe Ted is behind it. I, I yeah, get the vibe Chaw's that he's that Chaw's in it. Yeah. 
he's, I, he's in it now. Well, he's the one that said to Cutler too. It's not just us and them. You know, you have to stop thinking that way. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think that. I think that just comes from just human nature of like yeah. these are my guys. I don't know those people over there. I know what we're doing because from the, it's a top down thing, right? Okay. So from the top, they're like, well, those are our people. These are our, these are, those are you know our people and your people. But amongst the employees, you know, I think it's sort of like more of a cliquish thing. I think that if the if it came from the top, like we're all a big family, I think people will start to work together in theory. That's what I think. Yeah. But any merger is going to be tough. I mean, you're always going to feel yes. aligned to the people that you were working with originally. So, I mean, it's, yes. I mean, how are you ever going to succeed, especially in the short term like that when you still have, you know, it's still fresh. I and mean, just, just, yeah. just look at the landscape. Mm-hmm. Look at the people who are still at this company. The majority of the people are SCDP people. Right. A lot of the people who got let go were yeah. were CGC folks. Right. Which, which which is what Cutler is having some remorse over. Yeah. He's like, I think we let the wrong people go. <laughs> and he <laughs> and he feels like he has no control over this company. And and you know that scene with Ginsburg really touched a nerve. And we we now know that Cutler has nerves to touch. What I like about this though is it's kind of you know. We're we're seeing the inside. We're seeing the warts and all inside baseball growing pains of a merger. But if you zoom out, at the end of the day, they started in a conference room. They had a, a conversation about what's going to be what. They went off and they had their uh, crazy tumultuous I- I- separate adventures with all the different clients. But at the end of the day, Ford's okay. Menashevitz is gone. They were on the way out of the way. Uh, well, you know, I'm sorry. Chevy's okay. <laughs> GM and Chevy's okay. Menashevitz was on their way out. Who cares? Avon's new and Carnation. You know, man. But it, but but guess what? We're we're all we're we're still ahead. They 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 walked into this kind of like, what are we gonna do? The end of the episode. The agency was still ahead. They they found a name. No one died. Everything's have everything's fine. But uh, a plot is afoot. Well, well I think I think we we didn't spend enough time on. Cutler took a lot of abuse from Ginsburg. I mean, that did not come yeah. out of left field. I, mean, we, we, I think we're all kind of glossing over the fact well, that... Well, no, I, I, I wanted to get into it. I'm definitely yeah, yeah, but it. I mean, like, in, in, in the way we're kind of looking at this particular this particular thing about Cutler going to, uh, to, to, to Chaw and saying, I want to fire this guy, he lit him up, and he made him a fascist and a Nazi and his boot on his neck. Well, he is. And yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get into this more when we, we when we get into. I just say I think it's germane to yeah. the point. Well, that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get, he, he was much abused. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that more. But I do want to touch on that without stepping on anything else. I do want to touch on the fact how, you know, it is again back to it being 1968, and the times are definitely you're feeling and seeing the times, you know, permeate throughout all of, you know, all all the show, all the episodes. But you know, the the, the employees of SEDP CGC are. Are feeling it, you know. They're they're really, you know, choosing sides, and they're watching the things these things happen on television. They're really feeling like, am I part of the problem? Am I, you know, am I part of the machine? Am I the man? You know, um, Color had that line, you know, where he, we told, he, he told uh, uh, yeah, Ginsburg, uh, you have no problem but, cashing checks from yeah. General Motors. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, and I think that does a great job of sort of like really uh, showing both sides because there's a lot of emotions being stirred at this time, and we saw what was going on with with. Um, with Megan at home and how Don was reacting to it, and usually Don is is still pre- is usually pretty apolitical, but he seemed a little more interested than usual this time around. But it does seem to be the younger ones are a little more stirred by this, you know, like right. Ginsburg, Megan, like the the older ones are a little more. I mean, that's, that's kind of the opposition, isn't it? Sure. Like they're looking them, at them as the establishment and whatever, but they are part of it, so they can't really yeah. complain that they're you know that they're somehow 
got these morals that these other guys don't have because, you know, they're, they're working there too. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting thing <laughs> yeah. when you have, you know, you talk about Madison Avenue firm, you have the establishment, which is populated by a bunch of young creatives. So mm-hmm. it's like it is this weird, you know, sort of, um, uh, you know, I don't know the problem here. If you where we have like you know we're the young we're the young we're the young guys. We're also the establishment. What do we do? Kind of the a Peggy problem. Well, you look at you look at the the division. You know, people who are her Don's age. You know, he's he's forty or so. You know, he he went through the Korean War. You know, he's seen things like Vietnam is not a huge. Um, as massive an injustice to him. These riots are not as massive of an injustice well, to him because it, yeah. he's lived through, in his mind, worse. Well, it, he, he did. If you grow up in the Depression, it's very difficult for you to have a tremendous amount of sympathy, I would imagine, for uh, for, for people protesting a war in, in, in 1968 that hasn't really gone all that crazy yet. It yeah. hasn't gone... It hasn't gone where it's going to go. I mean, it does, yeah. it does escalate in the next couple of years. They don't know that yet. But... Um, you know, it's very difficult to take someone who grew up that way and, 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 and say, hey, sympathize. These kids had everything you didn't have. They had a booming economy they grew up in. They don't want to go fight. You know, there's a lot of those guys at the top going, well, too damn bad. Yeah. That's where all this comes from. And, and so I, I, do, I do think you're right. It is generational, but it's also, it's also financial. And it's also people who've really come to terms with who they are and accept who they are. And people who are dealing with, for the first time, probably Ginsburg is, is, the, is the one that leaps to mind, Find, figuring out who you are in this equation and seeing having the mirror shined up to you for the first time, that's jarring. When you right. find out, wait a second, I am, I am absolutely a cog in this wheel. I'm and and and, when and what you that hate, does to you? I yeah. am become death. Because I am become death. death. Yeah, destroyer. Because world. you're an adult. I, I just want to point out. There's, it's almost like there's there's a there's a scale. If you look at a scale from from you know young and far liberal. Like, let's say the hippies who are on the ground during these riots, you know, and you move all the way to apolitical, where you have uh, people who are mostly older. You look at someone like Cutler, um, who, you know, he just doesn't share his opinions. He doesn't have any sons. He doesn't have any sons. Yeah. You know, um, he doesn't have an opinion. Pinging all the way over past the people who are laughing about it. To uh, to the guy Frank who came in from the Carnation car- from the Carmation meeting, Absolutely. who was furious, and for a second I was like, "Oh my God, is this guy about to be like this is an injustice?" Kind of like Pete did when Martin Luther King was shot. He's like, "No, yeah. those damn hippies are ruining this country. They're an embarrassment. Yeah. They're an embarrassment. Yeah. They're a big shame. opinion, then, of course, from a and, and, like and Nixon's an opportunist, and the only person who can fix this is Dutch Reagan. Well, let's well let's get this. So let's, let's get it. Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Oh, Dutch. I, I know. I, I, oh, I know you're not yeah. from this country, but <laughs> I never heard that. We had this president. Dutch. His name was Ronald. Yeah. Wasn't he, I know no, that, I know, but I, he was Dutch back then, <laughs> back in the sixties. Governor Dutch Reagan. I didn't know. Uh, he was Dutch, but sorry. before we only get in that, in, get into the carnation in L.A., yeah. but I just want to say one, one more thing about the whole uh, that that confrontation with. Uh, with Cutler is that there is that moment where, like you're saying when you do realize if you're a guy like Ginsburg like oh my god I'm I'm an adult I'm a part of this problem but what's, what's in, what they did a really good job of in this episode of is, is sort of not demonizing the older people like Cutler is not really demonized here Cutler's a real guy like he said he's like what about you he also said I served in the Air Force what did you do yeah. like it's kind of like I, there's both sides here it's not just as simple as you're the old guy you're the fascist you're the establishment you have the tie on Ro- Roger said it he said he's been his therapist has told him his job as a human is to figure out who he is and then 
learn to uh, figure out who you are, and then you'll 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 be surprised how much you love yourself, right? Isn't that what the, the uh, therapist? The, jo- the job of your life is to know yourself. Is to know yourself. Yeah. That was the line. And, and but I, that's kind of the theme of the, the whole show, that's right? What I'm that's the whole thing. <laughs> Don Draper, so, everyone. <laughs> so for the first time, Ginsburg is seeing yeah. himself. Yeah. So like, hey, here's who you are. You are a cog in this wheel. You you shine this ugly machine up and make it palatable. That's your job right now. Roger has no problems with who he is. Roger's completely. He's, he's old. He's completely. He's cooked. I wouldn't say that. No, I think that I think he just knows week, how to hide them. Yeah, I think you last think so? week we saw. Yeah, I, I think, think we so. saw plenty of issues with Roger last yeah. week. I think so too. I think, I think yeah. he more knows how to hide them. Not to disagree with yeah. Joe. No, no, no. Just, versus yeah. versus someone like Cutler who feels because he served in the Air Force, he did his time, he made his money, he's earned the right to deal with it or not deal with it. He's earned the right to say. Whatever flaws I have, I don't care. Can I ask you this? Is Roger comfortable with his position in the grand scheme of things as far as we're t- politically? Are we, is Roger comfortable with who he is in, think, in the company and politically? I think that he is because he's always been safe. Yeah. Roger comes from money. He's okay. never had to struggle. And everything, even when things get hard, eventually goes his way. He's on a winning streak. Well, let's, I want let's, let's, I, I, okay. I, I agree with that 100%. I want, I want to get into California here because I don't want to, because there's a lot to unpack there. Okay. I do just want to say one last thing. Yeah, Sterling has, has not had a care, care in the world, has never had a care in the world in that his name's on the door. He's always been fine. He had that one dust up with Pete, where he had to try to prove himself. Like Pete, I can still get clients. Other than yeah. that, he's Roger Sterling. He has doesn't have any, a bit of insecurity about who he is in regards to that company at all. Never has. I don't think he ever will. No, that's, that's my opinion on that. But so much so that you know, segue when they go to California, like he's an autopilot. He's like telling yeah, he's Don, paying attention. You know, he's he's telling Don, you know, uh, look, buddy, like we're we're from New York. We're these guys, you know. We're gonna go. We're from New York. We're, we're ad guys. We're big shots from New York. We come in there. What in California? What are they doing out there? We come like, from an know. ad firm on Madison Avenue yeah. with seven initials in our name. And you know what? That's that's the truth. And they, they do feel that way. And we they got a rude awakening with that a little bit. But uh, I do want to say I love when the show goes to California, man. Oh, I love it's the way so they portray great. California. It's so great. Now, I mean, well, it's great because you know when it, it's great when they go to California, but you can't have a 1968. Without yeah. a trip to California, yeah. you got to see what it's like in California because that's where it's cracking. That's where it's all going down, and it very much reminded me of uh, of Annie Hall when you know when uh, when 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 uh, Diane sure. Keaton and when yeah. he and go out to L.A. and go to the, the, the big L.A. party, and it's kind of like these New Yorkers completely fish out of water. Water New Yorkers in this L.A. scene There's very much a little Annie Hall going in there, which I, which I liked a lot. But we do see these guys arrive uh, in Los Angeles, you know, hair blown from the you know from, from the, the convertible, uh, convertible from the four. Convertible, yeah, sure, not supposed suits. to have. And and Harry Crane's just like, well, who cares? Crane's yeah. in his element because he's yeah. he's, he's there in L.A. But he's a bit of a fish out of water too because he's he's like wide eyed looking for movie producers and this is going to be big. But he so he's a little more excited than he should be and not exactly comfortable. But man, talk about you know just they could not stick out any further as New Yorkers. I, I love that. I love that when 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 Roger and Don are in New York, their game is so deep they yeah. can't be stopped. But you take them when you drop them in California this time. <laughs> And it was just, it was awful. Well, it's just the times they're changing. Absolutely. You know, drop, drop yeah. in California in 1962, 63, they're all right. 1968, they're a couple of old guys in old, suits. Yeah, they're yeah. old, they're old, they're <laughs> uncool. They're, I know, it's And he was just yeah. mean, man. Yeah. Roger yeah. was just mean to poor Danny. Don, Don's the only guy in a tie in that whole party. And, you know, as cool as he looked. He's the only guy in a version of tie. There's some blazers, there's still, but he's the only guy in a tie and a, and, a, and a handkerchief or a pocket square. And they looked a little out of place. 
I don't know. Roger was wearing an ascot and a double-breasted captain's blazer. He's ready to go. I don't know if it's officially a double cap, double-breasted captain. I don't know if that's what you call it, but that's you know. So they go, so they go to there to meet with Carnation. We're going to talk, we're going to talk about Carnation, and then uh, uh, Roger seems to not be worried about this meeting. Don wants to be prepared. They get there, they think they can just you know drop Freeze it on the it. table. And uh, and it'll be fine, and they get a rude awakening. Flip. They are sorely mistaken. Uh, first off, their game has been shut off since they landed. They have not had any any swagger, anything going right in California. It didn't feel right. I don't think they had. They they, they weren't flowing at all. But um, it was Frank, right? Frank was our guy from Carnation yep. that, that shut them down. Oh, so and so was just saying Nixon's going to sweep and just and you would think that would be in a boardroom of a huge company like Carnation. Getting anything Republican would be nice and safe. And and nah, he just shut that down. Well, they, did he really? This is the way I read that was he you know, he, he he said there'll be no talking of politics in my office. But Dutch Reagan's the man. Right. And <laughs> furthermore, it's like right. You know, so he didn't proceed to talk about politics. You know, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> these hippies are running the country. So you know, but he's the boss. He can do that. But it was it was kind of cool though because we had that sense. I I don't know. I think you know we all have that sense that there was two sides. But there was not two sides. There was these guys, those guys, and then those guys way over there, and then mm-hmm. those guys somewhere in the middle that wound up putting Reagan in there a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. It's really I I really got a kick out of that. Like you, you assume the boardroom be all Republican, you just didn't know how far to the right the boardroom was going to go. So how did that meeting go? Let's talk about the meeting itself. Uh, yeah, it was not a good meeting. Well, actually, no. It started out not as a good meeting, but yeah, I think Roger proved himself as an account guy as Roger, and he turned it around. Like when, right when it was going bad, Roger said he diffused one sentence and yeah. diffused the whole thing, and he said, "Well, sorry about your last because they, they called it. They right. called them out on their whole like you New York guys, you breeze in here, you think you're hot shit. You don't. You, you it's it's noon for us. You're already out of the office. It's morning for us. You guys are at lunch. Like screw you guys. You know what? Not for anything." I, I, anybody who's worked with with the East Coast and business, that's a damn truth though. They're not wrong. Sure. Right. You call you, it, it is absolutely a thing. All right. Um, what, did, what did he say? What did but, he say? But uh, he, he defused it and he said, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your your ex girlfriend was uh, was mean to you, but uh, we're here now." Yeah. And and I thought that was really smooth. But I he when he came back to the office, he said everything was a bust. So I don't think they got any. I don't think they got it. Well, on. it's because they they never had a shot in hell when they got into that room. It was it was a poison room the moment that Frank absolutely. got in there. Right. He was he was never going to listen to anything they had no, to say. No. I, I mean, the meeting didn't, didn't. Nobody got lit on fire, but I don't think they got any new business out of it. So out of the meeting, they go they go to a party. They go to the the Hollywood Hills a party in the hills, which is great. Which yeah. is great because you know he's like we're from Los Angeles, so we know and right. people people who listen to us aren't may not be from Los Angeles, but you know there's a there's that thing the hills, the Hollywood Hills, and, yeah. and the sort of not like, Beverly, yeah, no. like Beverly no. Hills, no. But uh, so they go to the party in the hills, and the party was awesome. Party was awesome, yeah. and, and they rented their their old best friend Danny Siegel, um, and and we had Jane's to, cousin, Jane's cousin. Yeah, we, we want to reset who Danny Siegel is. Uh, we had to do a little research on this to make sure we got this right. But Danny Siegel, I don't know if you guys remember the Life episode many many moons ago. He was uh, he was an interview that Don and Roger gave uh, as a favor, and uh, and all his pitches were the same: yeah. the cure for the common blah blah blah, whatever it was. Insert your product here, and then Don went into a pitch meeting. Uh, drunk after the uh, the Clio Awards, he was drunk as a lord. And he went into a pitch meeting with with uh, with Life, and he was just just th- throwing things out there. And for whatever reason, the cure for the common uh, whatever breakfast right had lodged in his head, and so he tossed that out at Life. And of course, that's the one Life wanted, and that's what they went with. And then Don had to you know he tried to pay, he tried to buy Danny off. Danny wouldn't take anything less than a job, so Danny got hired. 
And now Danny produces movies. Yes, which is a theme here. This is a thing where, like, there's this East Coast, West Coast thing where, like, you have the East Coast creatives, you have the West Coast creatives, right? And the East Coast creatives are the ad guys, and they're the smartest guys in the room. And the Hollywood guys are the, the movie guys and the TV guys, and they think they're the smartest guys in the room. So it's a real thing where there's a real level of contempt there where when you see a guy who you fired or you let go in some capacity and he's out here and he's a big shot in LA. First of all, you have contempt for LA. You have contempt for the movie business. Here's this little guy looking like Sonny Bono, you know, with, with Lotus. <laughs> yes. Like yes. it's like play, I think that was played perfectly by, you know, his part. But again, you see both sides, you know, you see both sides. So. Yeah. Uh, but then Don walks away to you know through this party and like you look at someone like Rod- Roger and Harry who have no game. Don doesn't even have to try and he automatically has game with I the have woman an that Roger wanted at the beginning. For you. Yeah. Who when gets you get back. Told he has an ex- Yeah. A, a very, Don Draper. Very uh, lucky man. Don and Draper's the man, I know. Sure. He smokes some hashish. <laughs> Not a good idea if you've never tried it before. Don yeah. should learn by now not to sort of alter his he state. He doesn't do good with that, does he? Does he does not yeah. do well with altered states, and yet he continues to do it. It yeah. just kind of triggers these long emotional things in him that, you know, I, He's got not. some deep-seated underneath that, that yeah. can't be unpacked yeah. on, 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 on the drugs. Well, drugs amplify whatever you've got going on, and mm. he's seeing... He sees, so I've heard. He sees a vision right, right, of... People. I want to talk about he has two visions. He has a vision of Megan Pre- as this... Pregnant hippie, hippie goddess who belongs in Los Angeles. Who yeah. belongs in Los she, Angeles? She looked good there, actually. Where, <laughs> yeah, where Don she, says he always feels better in Los Angeles, mm. except not this time. He got a cold from falling into the pool. Um, not only does she belong in Los Angeles, she came there for him because she needs him. She quit her job and she's going to have a baby because that's a second chance for them. You know, it, it's his vision of what he thinks the next stage of their, or the perfect version of their relationship would be. She is the willing sycophant who's willing to give up her career and raise kids, you know, and be more traditional and not challenge him. And then be this, you know, laid-back, hippie woman. She's, like, the, the, the epitome of everything that he wants out of just a willing sexual being. Right. Well, you know, what's interesting about this, this too, is they... they Madman does the, their drug episodes, but this wasn't really. They sort of snuck this drug episode in. It wasn't really a yeah. drug episode. It was yeah. more of a drug scene. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I, I thought I was really hoping that after Don and um, and uh, Betty's little tryst last week, that or last month because we're a month apart, that Don that, that helped. I, I felt it felt like that really helped Betty in her relationship, and it helped Don in his relationship. Like he went away from that kind of going like. Maybe what I have is good, and I'm trying to be a good father here, and I'm trying to trying to do the right thing. But when he was in L.A. and I saw him, we saw him making out with that woman. I was like, no, Don. And then we saw Megan. I realized the whole thing was a dream, and now the whole thing was a dream. I don't. Do we think you actually kissed that girl? Or totally. Was that a dream? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Totally. I think, it turned, no. yeah. I think it turned into a dream when he turned to Megan, and Megan oh, was here. No. I think everything was was real up till that point. I really. Yeah. Do I, you think I, there was yeah. some guilt then because he kissed that girl? Then he, yeah, then he turned and he saw Megan. That's what I maybe thought. That's what. Because I think he was. Because it seemed like. From the earlier part of the episode, that he and even from last week a bit, that he's trying. Yeah. trying. He's still trying. Even he's in, trying. in this episode, at the end of this episode, so I, he's still trying. When he saw that vision of Megan, my impression was yes, he, good old Don, saw an opportunity. He was right. going to go for it. 
But this time, yeah, her vision there made there was guilt that came in. It, That's what I interpreted it as. It could yeah. be guilt. It mm. could also be that you know, being faced with the prospect of yet another empty pleasure, it awakened in his mind the question: What would I really want? Let yeah. me ask you a question: Do you guys really think Don feels guilt? Yeah, absolutely. I do. Yes, I, I personally do. Racked with it. I don't think he has guilt. Um, that, that's my two cents. I don't know for whatever it's worth, yeah. but uh, uh, well, maybe. If he um, doesn't feel guilt, why did he see PFC Dinkins, who went off to die with Don's lighter in his pocket? I don't think that. Well, how is Don responsible for PFC Dinkins going off? No, this is Don's repression of this. Uh, this is all, all of this, all this Vietnam crap that's happening. All this, all of him not listening. La 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 la. He's taking it all in. He's paying very much paying attention to what's going on in Chicago. He's very much taking all this in. Everyone around him's like, Don, this is going crazy. Joan's crying at home. Megan's crying. Don seems up. But we, we see in Don's hallucination, this does affect him. He's just trying no, no, not no. to I, feel. No, I get it. But I don't think that that's the same as I, I was saying specifically. I don't think he feels guilt about cheating on Megan. I don't think that bothers him. I don't, but uh, I, whether or not he had an emotion about Dinkins being dead or, 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 or his vision of Dinkins being dead, I think that's a, that's a different issue. I think that it's, it's, it's very much connected because here's this young kid marching off to die and and you know Don you know could have been that person Don Draper the original Don Draper was that person yep. who went off and died in a war yep. far from home and and here is is our Dick Whitman our Don Draper who deserted a war who deserted a war and is free to to sleep with women that are not his wife and make money and make ads and go to Hollywood parties and I, I think that he is very very deeply affected by this young man who went off to die and will never have those 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 freedoms and he's wasting his life and he knows it but he doesn't know what the f- the first thing about changing his behavior that, he's that entrenched i think that that's what that's what dinkins represented i mean he was a double whammy like it is he appeared to him without an arm it's like where's your arm he's like well i'm dead you're dead dude no arm you're yeah, dead but, it's right like, but he said you should see what you're gonna look like the, yeah no I mean, didn't you sort of almost refer to but look what you look like I almost felt yeah. like it was kind of a, right. a part of that vision was a yeah, kind some, of a death some wish jacob but, marley action right there yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean obviously part of that and when he did end up in the pool I was he was thinking, looking at himself in the pool he was looking at himself in the pool so there was there was a whole kind of death wish going on with that that yeah. uh, whole trip he had wasn't there didn't oh, you that get felt, that that felt very um, i mean also and also, I don't know if he, obviously we assumed he fell in the pool, but I mean, it seemed to have come from a vision of almost... Not wanting... until you said that right now. That's a great point. Yeah. Well, That's here, interesting. Yeah. He very uh, Christmas, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, with Jacob Chris, Marley. Uh, uh, Christmas, Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah but uh, here's what I think. I think that it's very much connected to the guilt over over men like Dinkins he and the guilt over the original Don Draper it's the reason why he he wants to die or or, yeah, or has this internal you know self destruction he's guilt he feels guilty that he's alive and Don Draper isn't cuz Don Draper might have lived a good life yeah, and don't forget, there was also, I thought, quite interesting in this party scene. Remember when he was kissing that girl and she called him Don? She said, he said, my name's not Don. Right. Yeah. So uh, I told you my name's not Don. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a good one. Because yeah. when, when he's in California, he's always been Dick Whitman Dick in Whitman. California. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, just getting back to that vision, I think maybe at that point he was Dick Whitman because, you know, the sort of taking on the fact that Dick was no longer there because, like I said, he said, because I think he actually said, Look at you, like it was referring to the fact that he, you are dead. Look at you. Yeah, you should right. see what you, you look, look like. like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Well, uh, so that's California. I mean, do you have anything yeah. else in California aside from that? I, I just wanted to add, um, just from the Megan side, I thought, just to add a little bit, I thought she is actually handling uh, Don a little better these days, sure. too. Because she almost says to him, you know, when she's talking and she's watching the the, um, the riots in Chicago, she said, you can go out, you know. Like, yeah. almost kind of giving him permission, but I'm not saying to. But the way she was playing with it and also saying, you know, be careful of the actresses out right. there. It was almost in a slight way. I'm kind of acknowledging this in a little way because I know that you have an eye for other women, but I thought she sort of was handling it well yeah. by bringing it up because yeah. then, you know, and I, I was just thinking she's she's handling him a little better these yeah. days. She's not shutting it out. She's acknowledging yeah. his nature. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did like the I did like the look at the party now. I did, I did like the way the party. <laughs> I like when they have the thing where you there's people who look like people. You're like that. That could is that is that so and so? Is that like, Jimi Hendrix? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of. But uh, and I love that that first thing to walk in the party. It's like oh this is diverse. I see like three black people out of the out of the gate. Like oh okay there's afros and there's this is a party you know. Yeah. Um, but the uh, I did like how uh, you know uh, Danny is that his name? Yep, Danny. Yeah, Siegel. D- Danny and Lotus fed the missions before Sunny and Cher. They were totally shiny. Lotus was Cher, looked it was tall and lovely, and Danny was you know short with the daishiki on with the glasses. They were so shiny and Cher. That was interesting. Uh, before we move on to Avon, I do want to talk about since we're here in Maine and we're here in LA. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been a lot of lot of internet buzz. It's been going crazy about this Megan yeah. Sharon Tate thing since the last episode, which was a better half. Of yeah. Course, uh, they actually there's this rumor about the fact. Well, as we were talking last week, there's a lot of violence going on, so we're in a very violent time. But there's all these rumors going around now that they think that Megan is a Sharon Tate story. So basically now, that was for, for going... people out there who don't know so, that story. So Sharon Tate was married to Roman, Roman Polanski and of course the you know Charles Manson who had this cult following and he actually, you know, they went up into the house and of mm-hmm. course Sharon was pregnant. I think she was like eight or nine months pregnant at yeah. the time. Uh, she was murdered as were uh, of quite I don't know the number of how many others were murdered mm-hmm. but um, of course a very Everyone tragic... in the house was Helter Skelter yeah. and they, Helter Skelter, yeah it's been Documented many times, um, so there's of course there's no parallel there because Don Draper is not a is not a, uh, a director, yeah. but they're finding he is a creative director, creative director, right. and also they're in New York and not in LA. Yeah, hopefully, there's no cult leader in the horizon. <laughs> yes, but I think the the way this got picked up is because there was a scene where uh, Megan was wearing this T-shirt where she was on the um, on their apartment on their patio uh-huh. with uh, this red star, which is actually the Vietnam star, mm-hmm. and that was the same uh, T-shirt that Sharon Tate was wearing in this Esquire shot right. and then apparently I think it was the daughter of the photographer kind of talked to the costume designer of Mad Men saying was that a coincidence and the costume designer said it was no coincidence Uh-oh. and that's when the internet thing blew up because of course, it's like yeah. uh, then we also had Sally Draper reading uh, Rosemary's Baby, Baby which was made was, which is a famous movie directed by, by Robin, Robin Polanski so. and apparently when Sharon got shot in this t-shirt that was when he was okay. shooting Rosemary's Baby and so now this all week these, yeah, and now this week we have this vision of her pregnant. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, all this is we're getting into some Oliver Stone, maybe Mike August territory here. There's a lot of leaps being drawn here, but but I, you know, I'm, I'm into it. This is kind of what the show is all about. Is yeah. You know, l- l- you I know. love the way everyone gets so passionate about sort of yeah, reading all yeah. this stuff into it. So, but yeah, that but, I don't know. So uh, let's let's talk about the client number two, the big client Avon. Avon. And, yes. And, 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 and we have we have a Peggy, uh, Pete. This is, the, uh, this is Joan. This is Joan first. Yeah, yeah sorry. this is Joan, Joan stepping Peggy, up. Pete, you know, situation. So uh, Joan is 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 out on a set up, out set up on a date, which turns out 
to uh, inadvertently, inadvertently turns out to be a client meeting, which she, yeah, y- you know, really does a good job of wrangling this guy in and getting a good lead. She takes it into the office, thinking she just may be her big shot to be uh, to the point of being the account executive on this, and she's sort of got a rude awakening through office politics. And then what, what, you can pick it up from there. Yeah, well, I, I, I love the fact that I think Joan was surprised too. I mean, she stepped up because I think she realised there was an opportunity. But you're right. I think she just thought this was a date. This is sort of using her feminine wiles. And then she suddenly realised she was getting a lot more respect from this guy. Right. That he actually respected her views. And that's when I think it was like – because I – I think the storyline with Joan's been really great this season. And, I mean, you just feel for her so much because, on the one hand, she's this incredibly confident, amazing woman, but her self-esteem is just constantly battered by everyone around her. You know, that puts her still in this role of being the secretary, puts her in this role of only being able to use her sexuality to to get anywhere. And I think finally in this episode she realises, you know, if, if... if no one else is going to break that mould that they have of me, I have to do it. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and she does it in a sort of underhanded way, but I sort of understand that was the, that was her only course at that point. I mean, if she if she did the office politics, she let Pete take, and who was being so obnoxious to her anyway. Mm-hmm. If he let, if she let that go, she, this was an opportunity that she would have let go. And I think I think she did the right thing. Do you think she handled this right, or do you think in in the situation, I don't think she had another choice. I think. Well, first of all, I just want to acknowledge Christina yeah. Hendricks for doing. It. I think she's done yeah. a great job this season. Yes, this amazing. Season, her the acting here is because usually Joan is very subtle. Yeah. And Joan is Joan, but we see yeah. Joan. We now that we know who Joan is, we can peel back the layers mm. within the Joan in the surface and see her doing her thing underneath which has been great and to see that moment at the table where she realizes like oh this oh, is right oh, that was yeah i can handle this the, like, the way that was played was great a big, and- a big shout out to spencer garrett who's a, a good friend of mine that, that played the, that uh, that played the avon rep he's awesome and he does a bitch in christopher walken in case you guys are all mm-hmm. curious some would say i was so curious some would say that spencer garrett's christopher walken was stolen by kevin spacey it's happened right. some have said it uh so big shout out What's that? Bitchin'? Yeah, it's 1982 in my head. Right, okay. um, so, but I wanted, I do, I, that, that spot was amazing. Like, he, when she realizes this man is not into me sexually, this yeah. is not what this is. This is a business meeting. Right. And she's, she, you can see her make that choice. You're 100% right. I'm going to choose something better. I'm choosing to be yeah. of more value in a different way. And it was all on her face. And, and it's completely well played. And I like the line. I think you said, what do you do? She said, I think of things before other people think of them. Damn right. Yeah. I yeah. think of the things that people, people need before, before they, they know think, they yeah. need well, them. Well, yeah. to answer your question, I think in that moment, I think Joan handled everything perfectly in that moment. Yeah. When she got back and she talked to Peggy about it. She did the right and thing. And perfectly handled. And yes. then when, when, when they were, she was sort of like crushed yeah. by, by Pete and Chaw, sort of saying like, well, you can't handle this. And I, in that moment, I'm like, oh, no, give, give the poor gal a chance. Yeah. But as we saw at the dinner... Like, you know, Joan's, maybe Joan's not ready necessarily. She's ready, but there's the nuances of this thing that there's a reason why there is a protocol. There's a reason why Pete Campbell is Pete Campbell. Say what you want about Pete Campbell. You know, he could have closed that guy. And there's a moment at the table where she's like, Joan, what do we do now? I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Peggy? What now, Peggy? Peggy's like, you know, so I don't know. I think she did the right thing. I think I, we were all rooting for her, but yeah. I think the, the reality as, of the situation as, came crashing in. And I mean, you know, you've got Peggy really. I, I mean, the girls stood up, and I mean, I like the fact that Peggy really uh, at the time, you know, when uh, Joan was really getting it in the boardroom, that you know, you're done, yeah. you've done the wrong thing. How can you? And she seemed to be, she didn't know what to say. Mm. And I love the way that Peggy, even though she didn't agree with what Joan did, she stepped up and kind of. She said she came in with that note, which was brilliant Rumble. thinking, and uh, and saved saved the day. Girl power, girl well, power. I love that moment because I love that moment. Again, well played, well acted yeah. by both of them. Like in that moment where 
you know, Peggy realizes that she doesn't know what she's doing. They have the confrontation at the office mm. where it's sort of a breakdown of Joan. Joan's too proud to admit that, like, maybe I did F this up. Yeah. And Peggy's trying to trying to tell her without mm. being like, and also being pissed about the situation because it's Avon. And then they have that fight, which you're thinking, oh. But in the end, they really got each other's back. And they're yeah. two girls, and the only two women in the office. And it all, it, again, like wow. I said. Wow. That, that matter. That, no, I'm sorry. The only two. Well, wow. All right. The these the the women that have been in the office together the longest. Fine. All right. And they realize they have each other's backs. And then like I said at the beginning, it started off in turmoil, but it all ended up okay, which is kinda great. Like it says you zoom out, it's just another day at the office, which I love about Well, now. as as long as Peggy said to her, as long as this Avon guy actually calls. As long you, yeah, as long as Peggy calls. Do, we, that's the do thing. we think that Avon will call? Yes, yes, I think Avon will call. I think Avon will call. I I think it's it's a toss up. It's a better show if they call. It is a better show if they call. Let's jump into uh, let's just jump into the match. Uh, just oh, one, yes, yes, sorry, I'm just so had sorry. one extra thing to say about Avon. I love the fact that they brought uh, one thing I was going to say about all these clients is they're still very kind of establishment old clients, yep. you know. And even um, but Avon, I thought brought in the fact that you know we don't know who to sell to. Love are that. we going? You know, are we going nostalgic or we're we going to kind of like get the hippies? And are we going to get groovy? Or groovy, gonna... yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was interesting because I think a lot of the clients that they've been working with, it's still very traditional, very kind of. Preaching to the you know old school mums and dads and right. that. I thought I'm kind of curious that they're going to bring in some newer uh, products because they're still working on very kind of old traditional products in right. a way. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. we'll see. Mm. Uh, so speaking of old traditional products, mm-hmm. yes, Manischewitz. Manischewitz, one of the oldest tradition. Most traditional <laughs> tradition. <laughs> tradition. Uh yeah, Manischewitz. If you if you can get your hands on some, it's good. Really? Uh, right now, right now, I think we're uh, fifty seven seventy three. It's a it's a good vintage. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just a quick quick setup on this. This is this is an existing client of of uh, of SCDPs. Mm. This is uh you know one of Sterling's guy Sterling's long standing yeah. clients. Uh, he's off in L A. This is supposed to be a situation where Cutler is supposed to go handle this with. Uh, with, Ginsburg, with Ginsburg, who he just got in a fight with. Yes. So he decides that he's going to give it to your to boy. Bob Benson. Bob Benson. Bob, Benson. Bob Snake in the Grass, or is he yeah. Benson? Uh, we learned a lot this week, and I'm just going to lump this into Benson Watch right Do it. now. Uh, we are officially in Benson Watch territory. So we we have Cutler, who is is you know already not crazy about kind of like picking up uh, Roger's scraps while he's away. He's feeling underserved. He goes to talk to um, he goes to talk to Ginsburg about uh, about Manischewitz and see the work and Ginsburg is too riled up listening to everything that's going on at the convention and the fact that they're not going to stop the war to care. And they have this big blow up fight and as after after Ted tells him that he can't just fire Ginsburg uh Jim does the next best thing for him, which is just to just to step back and wash his hands of the whole thing. It's a beautiful he, spot. If he sends yeah. Benson and Ginsburg, and they both get they they screw it up, they can fire them both. Exactly. I win. Exactly. He's playing very tactically, and we're seeing a lot of his process. We're we're not seeing a lot of his process. A lot of it is left off the screen, which which to me is a very interesting move because it's it's going to make. Uh, it makes him more compelling as a potential villain, and it, it it makes us more intrigued about his process. Now we've got we've got Benson and Ginsburg, and we see this scene in Benson's office where he is listening yes. to a self help record, he is. a Dead. mantra. 
to help him not fail at business. It, the the exact title escapes me, but it was something like how to, how to prevent failure right. in business, right. which looked a lot like uh, how to succeed <laughs> in business without really trying. Yes. And uh, there's an excellent com- comparison to be made between Bob Benson, who appears to be faking it till he makes it sure. and trying to get off, uh, g- get ahead through um, you know cunning effort and general decency, mm-hmm. which we have we have you know potentially mistaken as guile. I think he's kind of he's kind of a guileless person. He's just so determined to get ahead that it's kind of working. Do you know what I mean? Bit by bit by bit. And uh he's just trying to stay in the game. He doesn't know that much. Uh and and yeah. we we made the point Robert Morse who yes, Of course. <laughs> the original J. Pierpont Pier, Pierpont or Piedpont Finch. Piedpont Finch. Piedpont Finch. Yeah. Say it fast and no one will know. Okay, exactly. Well, from so. how to succeed in business. Yeah, yeah. Really he was, a, he was yeah. superb in that role. Right. So he did exactly the same thing. He's repeating this mantra yeah. to himself, and uh, he, he Stan comes and gets him. Ginsburg's having a fit because what Cutler had revealed to him earlier, that he is a cog in the machine, screwed his shit up something fierce. We yes. broke Ginsburg. We, I, the mirror showed up to Ginsburg. Mirror yeah. to Ginsburg, Ginsburg broke down. The hilarious thing to me is he's like, uh, he mentions, have you had one, uh, one too many funny cigarettes? He's like, I don't touch that stuff. That stuff makes you crazy. crazy. <laughs> awesome. I, yeah. and by the way, the, that was, I love that scene. I love that. Like, fresh off of his in, inspirational uh, you know uh, his self-help mm. record. If you self-help LP, he goes right in there and and gets Ginsburg off the floor. Yeah. He Tony totally Robbins him up. He yeah. Tony totally yeah. Robbins him ass his ass up. And I love he's just you know the funny cigarettes. And I'm like this guy. That's the moment we both, both Matt and I had the same. I'm like this guy is for real. I, like, I he's think you're not. Right. He's not yeah. a speck in the grass. He's mm. kind of. He's just kind of a rube. Yeah. You he's know. Really. Uh... He's a small town guy in the big city trying to make his way. And he's, you know, he just doesn't really understand when he's being too much or being too forward or, you know, like trying too hard. Whereas, you know, these cynical New Yorkers see it for see it for what it is. They don't think of him as a decent person. They just they're like, dude, you're trying too hard. Come on. Well, it, uh, well can we uh, then change Benson Watch? Yes. Benson Watch is dead. Uh-huh. Long live Cutler Watch. Oh, man. Right. We have three episodes of Cutler Watch. One oh, is killed God. and one is born. Yes. Another shall rise. <laughs> I, I am become death, destroyer of Benson, Benson Watch. I was going to say that, that Benson is very smooth. Uh, I, I like when he, uh, when he covered for Cutler. Because it was pretty clear to anyone who took a look at it that Cutler threw Benson and and Ginsburg under the bus. Yes. The whole plan was for them to F up the whole deal and lose the account. And so when he went in there and he said, you know, and, and Chaw looks over at, at, at Cutler like, what the hell? You sent them? And Benson says, I, I talked him into it. I insisted. And, and then, 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 of course, Cutler turns around and says, hey, you're on Chevy. Merry Christmas. Like, yeah. that was very smooth. Little, uh, little, little give you some love back. But I thought that was a smooth little moment. It was a smooth little moment for him, but also for Cutler, who I think, you know, it, as he's starting this kind of covert civil war... He wants Benson on his side. As much as he doesn't like him, having him as a pawn is a better position for him to be in. Like I said when we were watching it, there's no way for him to lose. If they lose the account, he wins. If they keep the account and he can get Benson on his team, he wins. Either way, it's a win-win. It was a smooth move. I was impressed. Yeah. 
I mean, they still did lose the account, but it didn't matter. Roger knew they were going to lose. Yeah, it anyway. we've been losing. We've been, it's been it's been coming for months. <laughs> Which I'm sure Ted or uh, Jim loved that he was supposed to go cozy yeah. up to this client right. that Roger knew he was, was going to leave anyway. Right, I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go try and make out with a chick who's on who's on life support. Thank you. Right. Thank you yeah. for that. Roger's I got a girl for you. She's over yeah. there in the bed. Yeah, yeah, she got your machines hooked up to her. She's for you. And to, and the, the, to put a bow on it, the other day, Benson gets promoted, and. You know, orders a store. They ch- they change the name to SC and P and P, and uh, everyone's happy, presumably. Yes. Until next week. Until next week, when a lot of stuff is going to happen. So <laughs> let's let's get into uh, uh, Mike August's super fan. Mike August's catch catches of the week. You know, Mike August. Mike August is a guy who has our back because we watch these episodes fresh, and then we run right into his studio, and then we start yapping about them with, with with scribbled notes together. So we don't have the time to go into extreme detail and depth and really think of things completely through and maybe catch everything. So Mike Benson does that. Mike Benson. Mike August does. That for us, and last week's episode, the better half, he had some catches for us. Yes, Bob Benson was seen wearing shorts with sharks on them, symbolic of Bob being a predator. He is circling the blood in the water and trying to get close to a weakened Pete Campbell. As we've learned in this episode, that may not in fact be the case. He's just he's just a decent guy with a big heart. And some cool shorts. And some cool, cool shorts. <laughs> there were several references to Cowboys and Indians through the episode. Interesting, as Peggy is really playing an office game of Cowboys and Indians, as she doesn't know which side to take between Don and Ted. Mm-hmm. She is caught right in the middle. I found it interesting that there were police sirens audible in the background during the two scenes in Don's apartment following the scenes with Peggy and Abe. I was thinking crime is everywhere and was a nice compliment to the scene in the crash of Grandma Ida visiting Don's apartment. The apartment locations also tie into the discussions of margarine, as one is far more expensive, but they are still the same in many ways. That's actually that's that's an interesting okay. point. Mm-hmm. For some history regarding the 1927 Yankees, uh, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig were both Goliaths of baseball, but the Babe made $70,000 that season compared to Gehrig making far less at $8,000. Applying meaning to the show, Peggy is certainly undervalued in comparison to Ted and Don. Perhaps she was wearing green in the final scene as a symbol of envy. And perhaps it was a television first seeing a character get stabbed twice in the same episode referring to poor Abe. Poor mm-hmm. Abe. Poor, well, he's kind of a jerk. Hey. He's writing that article about Peggy. Yeah. Do we think the article will come back? Thank you, Mike August, by the way. Thank, Thank you for you, those. Mike. Those are all excellent. Uh, do we think that article is going to resurface, by the way? It would have been know. published by now, wouldn't it? Have? I don't know. It's been a month. You just... never know. Yeah. I, mean, I, it would, I think it would be you know, great for the show if that article comes back. <laughs> yeah. Peggy's reading like, Abe. Yeah. Well, I know? think we saw in the, in the um, if I can make a quick prediction. I mean, we well, saw... You want to do it pre-predictions? I feel like we have a section about predictions. Well, then I'll save what I was going to say. Well, I think we'll do just one item. We have one news item. Okay. After Buzz TV News. Wow. That's it. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Well, Disney announced this week uh, the start of production for a movie called Million Dollar Arm. Yes. And that will be starring John Hamm. And it's directed by an Aussie director, Craig Gillespie, who did Lars and the Real Girl, from uh, which star- which starred the wonderful Ryan Gosling. And this is actually based on a true story mm-hmm. uh, about this. I guess he was like a sports agent. Agent. That, yeah, that was failing. And he decided to go to Mumbai, uh-huh. where they were playing cricket, uh-huh. uh, and actually sort of held like a big competition and found these people to bring back 
I think they, a couple of people won this competition. Forty thousand people applied to come back and actually learn about baseball. They found some what they call bowlers, bowlers over there that, yes. that are actually pitchers and yes. brought them back and then and try to get them pitch for. I think it was the Pittsburgh Pirates, right. if I'm not mistaken. But uh, it's a great story. Um, yeah. I feel like a bit of a commercial because that is uh, is done by the Walt Disney Company, which is my employer. But uh, <laughs> and, and I and I also have a cricket. I have a cricket uh, documentary coming out for Grantland on the Compton Cricket Club. So look there for that in the next Perfect. couple of weeks. So we're, uh, Disney's doing a lot of cricket. Cricket. I love cricket for Americans. Me, me, I love it. Me and John Ham. That's all we're just doing. Cricket. I know. Uh, we're the same. We're, me, it's, John, about, it's about time you guys learned a little bit about just cricket. A, just a couple of Disney guys doing cricket. Stuff. Just hanging yes, out. Yes, me and John yes. Ham. Sure. Uh, no, so that's great. So look for that. That, that. That's announced. I'm sure that'll be awesome for those who like sports movies. We all know John Hamm's also a big sports guy, big sports fan, big big uh, St. Louis Cardinals guy. So that should be really, really good. Um, let's jump into predictions. And now, your After Buzz TV predictions. I'm going to start with you, Matt Lieberman, because you have a lot to say there. Okay. So we saw in, as, as always, the scenes from next week were fairly, you know, like vague. All little random what? snippets. What? But we did see Peggy rushing the heck out of a door with several locks, which I'm pretty sure was her old apartment with Abe. Oh. Um, and it seemed like she was there when she, wasn't suppo- when she was not supposed oh. to be there. Uh, and I think she she's definitely... It could very well be that the article comes out and she's going into the apartment to get something back or to vandalize something. Who knows? But I think we're going to see uh, Abe's kind of return, even, even if he's not on screen. You know, 1968, man. It's just going to keep getting worse out there. Mm-hmm. It's just going to keep getting worse out there. Cutler is going to continue laying track for his grand master plan. Oh, and Bo- Cutler Watch. Yes, Cutler Watch. And uh, poor Bob Benson is is going to get caught in the middle. And he's. I, I, I'm so compelled by this development of the fact that he's 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 a rube here, and he's going to be caught in the middle of these titans of business. And he is not going to be prepared. Very excited. Those are those are that's a hell of a lot of predictions. <laughs> Thank <you>. Yes, <laughs> I liked his Thank second you. one. Uh, uh, Catherine, what do you have? Uh, well, I'm going to predict the Sharon Tate story is not going to happen. Okay. I don't. I don't think we're going to get Megan killed off yeah. this season. I don't know. I can't see that happening. Uh, and I am going to predict that Joan is victor- victorious in the Avon uh, account. I, so. I think that Avon will be calling. I hope so. <laughs> Ding dong. <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. Joe? Uh, I, I agree with you. Uh, I want to agree with Catherine uh, that I do not think the, sh- the Sharon Tate thing is. I, it's just not in the show's nature. I, no. We don't do big murders on this show. It's but, not a. Lane Price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was a suicide and it was tastefully done. He was British. You know what? You <laughs> oh, know that's what? okay. <laughs> I think it is going to happen. <laughs> I think he's British. He could do that. It's I mean, fine. I mean, you know, it's fine. When, when a Brit kills himself, can't it's kill the Americans. Uh, it's inherently tasteful when a British okay. man kills himself. I think Megan's dead. I think Megan. Really? And you know what? Okay. I I'm going to be contrary, and I'm going to say, you know what? It was a time of instability. It was yeah. a time of shocking events, and we will be shocked by Megan's grisly murder. Uh, uh, you, you have a prediction? I, I do. I do. Um, I'm I'm not going to be shocked by Megan's grisly murder because it's not happening. But uh, here's my prediction. I think Don is going to try to get Megan pregnant. I think he is going to see this as a a, a premonition. And I think one of the first things he did when he got back in the office, call my wife, uh, get my wife on the phone. <laughs> Is she? Are you pregnant? I think that's coming up. Are you pregnant? If you're not pregnant, let's go ahead and get you pregnant. I think 
that Megan is scared to be pregnant because um, when when she got with uh, with old Don, uh, it was because he was getting rid of his old wife who was pre- had had kids. He also doesn't know about uh, yeah. the pregnancy that she uh, that, that she almost had. Was. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there, there's a lot going on there, but I think that uh, I think we're gonna see uh, we're gonna see a Don a Don attempt to impregnate Megan. All right, well, I got three 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 quick ones for me. Uh, number one, I. I I do think that the Megan will be pregnant. In the previews, Betty goes, she's 25, which I feel like that was the thing that her being pregnant was that. So I agree there. Uh, the Sharon Tate thing, I do not think is going to happen. I do not think that Megan will die. I don't think it's Mad Men's going to end two seasons in a row with two deaths. It's a little, you know, and, and, yeah. Matthew Warner's going to get away from the Sopranos and not go to it. He mentioned, uh, and one of our Grantland guys mentioned this too, that like, you know, uh, the Sopranos, he talked about how they would write themselves into a corner at the end of the season and they would they can always get out of it with a murder. Hey, Tony will kill somebody. Like, that's in season. And Mad Men, they had to find a way, different way to do it. They do it with sex or someone sleeps with someone or whatever, but I doubt they'll go back to back murders. Uh, so that, that's, that's, uh, it was, it's not back to back murders. Back to back deaths. Back to back deaths. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, to end seasons. That's just, that's just, but who knows? What do I know? But last, I really do, I'm really into, this is sort of a larger, maybe, maybe series prediction. I'm really into what I think this is ultimately the story of Pete Campbell, the ultimate like long game transformation of Pete Campbell. I mean, we see the Pete Campbell we saw from season one and who he's sort of evolving to, especially these last two seasons, like, you know, going through what he's going through with Trudy and going through what he's going through in business. I think all these lumps he's taken are like growth. You can't grow without, without this, this sort of adversity. And I think what you're seeing, all this like frustrated Pete and all this weaselness and all of this happening and all of his exposure to the 60s politics and how upset he was about Martin Luther King. Like, just to see him at the end, after all his normal whiny Pete Campbell, but then mm. sit at the end and take a drag off that funny cigarette <laughs> and sit there and take it all in and look at the girl slowly in slow motion to Janice Joplin. I'm like, Pete's going to turn the goddamn corner. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, I just like the idea of the, the transformation of I'm Pete really Campbell. glad you brought that up because we didn't touch on Pete and that was, that was, that was pretty integral to the. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, way, way to pick that up, Joe. Yeah. Well, uh, Joe, I think you should talk about our finale. Yeah. Yes, folks, uh, that was also in our news go- gossip. We do, or we are doing a wonderful Mad Men finale, uh, live finale with 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 the cast and and some folks and some special guests uh, at the John Lovitz Comedy Club on the twenty third, which is uh, a, a Sunday, which is the last episode of Mad Men. Please come down, watch it live. You can get tickets on the John Lovitz Comedy Club website. You can get tickets on our website. Uh, any information you need, you can go to AfterBuzz.com or John Lovitz, John Lovitz Comedy Club.com. Yeah. You we, do we, not want to miss it. No, we can't discuss who's showing up yet, but it's go- and you will not be disappointed. But everyone, it's going to a be lot awesome. of people will be there, but we will all for and sure. And Maria Menounos is hosting. Yes, and yes. the four of us will be there, and uh, it'll be fantastic. So please uh, you know, tweet at us. Uh, or anything you know to get more information on that. Uh, Joe, where can we can find, where can uh, find you? You can find me on the Twitters at Joe Flippo. Uh, you can also find me here uh, with Mr. Joe Braswell. Uh, we are we are doing the Hannibal uh, After Buzz show, and uh, that's about it. Yep. Oh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Catherine Tulich, T-U-L-I-C-H. Uh, you can read me in the LA Times. You can see my interviews on RogerEbert.com. Yes. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matt Lieberman. That's M-A-T-T-L-I-E-B-E-R-M-A-N. You can find me here on AfterBuzz TV hosting the Defiance After Show and this summer on Under the Dome and Low Winter Sun, the new AMC series. Uh, and you can find my sketch comedy on VLYTV.com. You can also find Joe Flippo on Escape from Planet Earth, which is available on DVD right now. His voice Ooh, in it. He's very you. funny, very good. Uh, I'm Joe Braswell. You can find me on Twitter at Joe K. Braswell. On Twitter, you can also find me at Grantland.com. And uh, also with Hannibal with Joe Sam Flippo. Brilliant. That's it. 
Uh, thank you very much, Marissa Serafini and everyone else. We'll see you next week. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.